0: over the course of my life I've been developing quite a long list of things I just didn't understand about my particular experiences, things that I really found quite difficult that other people didn't seem to, um, that were kind of anomalies. It was a list of things ultimately that made me feel like I was quite defective and that i sort of came to the conclusion when i was about 19 or so that i had developmental issues um undefined but that was as far as i got i just i just didn't i didn't have a language for these things and i didn't understand them and they were quite significant Aspect of life. One of the one of my biggest unexplained problems was how much I struggled to interact socially, um, and I learned about social anxiety. And I thought, well, great, helpful. I have a name for this. I have social anxiety. I've always had it from. My earliest memories of feeling a deep panic because I didn't understand what was expected of me in a situation with peers was probably, you know, as early as the age of three or four. I remember things like going on holiday and there being other children, and a sort of an expectation that I would play with these other children. And being just terrified to my core and literally just running away. Literally just turning around on my heel and running indoors. Just knowing deep in my core, I can't do this. I don't have any understanding of what's happening here. There seemed to be some sort of code or implicit understanding between the other children and they looked very comfortable and I didn't have that information and I therefore I couldn't be comfortable and that self the self-consciousness was so intense and the feeling that I was being put under some kind of test in order to be assessed you know was I acceptable or not acceptable was so intense that I literally would run run away now you can do that when you're four You can't do that in the classroom when you start going to school. You can't do that when you move to a new school when you're eight and everything's unfamiliar and people are coming up to you because you're new and they want to know who you are and where did you come from. And that constant feeling of people are making a judgment about me now as to whether I can pass... I didn't have this language in those days, but whether I can pass as one of them, pass as normal, whether I will know this code as to how to interact, and that just went on and on, and it went on in all spaces where I was expected to know these rules. I was in encu- well encouraged, just putting it mildly, but I was sort of made to do music um, by my parents, and so I played the violin, and I would go to orchestra on a saturday morning which was all other children and i started that from i don't know about the age of 10. i did that up until i was 16 and i was fine during the actual orchestral moments when we were playing our instruments and the conductor was conducting us we had sheet music but i would go to pieces during the break times and at the end of the saturday session and we the venue that we that we rehearsed in was in uh, the city centre and so you know the kids basically over over the age of 11 12 which I was getting to be would have their social circles either through school or because they were cool enough to interact with people outside their school you know they would do things afterwards they'd get together and I just didn't fit in anywhere and that was probably the age, that's the earliest I remember actually just going and um, hiding in the toilet uh, during the break time or at the end of the end of um, some sort of structured activity like that. The point at which the structure stopped and the social skills were meant to kick in. That was my version then of, of running away, which I understand is quite a common thing for autistic people to do. This, the only safe place is to actually go lock yourself in a toilet cubicle and wait for everyone to leave and that's the reason the social anxiety is also the reason that i quit ballet which was my only true love as a child i loved dancing ballet watching ballet reading about ballet looking at pictures of ballet dancers that was my absolute passion in life from a very very young age from probably about the age of five but for the same reasons, about the age of 13, it started to become impossible to just, you know, rock up to the classes and do the classes and then just get picked up by your parents and go home. It, around that time, you know, the, the changing room chat was starting to get a bit more complex. People knew each other from school or across different schools. They knew boys they were just developing this kind of a sophistication and this these new sort of ways of interacting and I thought point scoring and a lot of it I felt was quite performative and I was just obviously completely at sea and I didn't want to participate, I just wanted to do the dancing and go home. and But the self-consciousness of being around girls who are brutal... Um, and the self-consciousness of being in the changing room and the fact that, you know, our bodies were changing and I was quite clueless about things like plucking my eyebrows or shaving my legs or any of those kinds of things. Um It was just too much. It was too much to cope with. And I'll always regret and I'll always be incredibly sad that I quit ballet um, when I was 14 because I just basically couldn't cope with being in that space and not knowing um not knowing how to be acceptable socially so that was probably one of the main things and then um, the, the list is long and i will be talking about different aspects of this in different episodes um but i as i got older i just basically got more and more feedback that i i i wasn't actually acceptable socially i was i was weird and i would be sort of allowed on the periphery of social things i wasn't completely a pariah I wasn't completely outcast but I was pulled up frequently um, by my peers about specific things I had done or said or things I wore um, that were that were too weird that were not acceptable and weren't quite up to muster and it was kind of made clear to me that you know I needed to kind of do better in order to stay part of the you know the social circle uh, which was really stressful because um, I didn't really understand what they were talking about. Ultimately, all of these things uh, built up to this this realization I'd mentioned, which is, well, I'm defective. I've I'm developmentally stunted, and I don't really know why. Um, but I felt completely ill-equipped to be an adult, to leave home, to go off to university. I, I felt like I desperately needed some sort of remedial intervention, I wanted to go, I didn't want to go back in time because I'd had such a horrible time, but I wanted a sort of a pause on everything and for someone to kind of step in and teach me everything that I hadn't learned that everyone else seemed to know. Um, but because obviously that didn't happen and time marched forward and I had to just keep marching into adulthood, I kind of went, Immediately into extreme burnout as an adult, um, especially on leaving university, it was just so traumatic, um, and um, I was so vulnerable and in such a bad way, and so unwell mentally by this point. You know, my anxiety and my my depression and my dissociation by this point were, were really quite extreme and actually a really big thing that i struggled with in my 20s was compulsive hair pulling i was i was zoned out and overwhelmed all the time not understanding why obviously didn't didn't have any idea what i was experiencing and i could not stop pulling out my hair from my scalp from my eyebrows my eyelashes any any fine hair anywhere on my face or body um, that I could get a grip of with my fingernails, I I would I would pull out, and it was a constant search for you know crinkly hair or irregular hair or just something that kind of stood out and it would have to come out, and it was very distressing. I lost a lot of hair, and not only was I ashamed of being a defective weird young woman, I also had the added shame of looking strange because. Um, I was missing eyebrows and eyelashes and I had patches on my head and I didn't understand why and I couldn't stop. Interestingly it was none of these things that ever made me question whether I was autistic because I didn't know what autism was and these things that I had described did not fit my stereotype of what autistic is. I thought autism was basically like being a sociopath I thought it was extreme narcissism, arrogance, a total non-interest in the experience of other people. Um, I never thought autism was anything to do with anxiety or vulnerability or feeling defective in any way or any of the things I had experienced. And the things that, the specific things that actually did trigger at any point in in my 30s in the end the sort of the really vague not that strongly sort of committed questioning as to maybe I'm autistic could I be autistic in conversation with my partner were actually slightly more trivial things um it was the fact that I take things very literally to the point that I tend not to find a lot of jokes funny and so I'll quite often deflate a situation where someone is told a joke like my partner for example who quite enjoys a good joke I would deflate the whole situation by taking it literally and pulling it apart and basically explaining all the reasons why the joke doesn't work because such and such a thing wouldn't actually happen in practice but I'd also noticed that I would often take lots of other things literally if people use an expression that basically I hadn't encountered before that was figurative so I knew expressions like, oh, I'm over the moon. I know that one, I've heard that one since I was very little. When I was little, I did actually imagine people going around and over the moon, but I figured out quite young, that actually, oh no, that's a shorthand code for, I'm very, very happy about something. So I was like, okay, I know that one. But I had noticed that going into adulthood, if I encountered a figurative expression I didn't know, I would take it literally in the moment, and be really confused because obviously some of these things are literally impossible a bit like the joke situation and i'd say something that made me sound really stupid like i once i went to a day music festival locally and someone was describing um, what we would now call an emo band that were on and they jokingly said to me and my partner oh yeah they were hand- they were handing out razor blades on the door and i was flabbergasted because i thought they were actually handing out razor blades on the door and i said something to that effect and my partner in this person looked at me really confused like is she for real um and and i'll be honest it was probably about 6 months later that i remembered that moment and went oh oh that wasn't factually accurate they were they were they were saying something to be a bit funny that was an exaggeration for how emo this band was but I mean, it literally would take me months or even a couple of years sometimes. And I'd remember a moment in a sort of a flashback and go, oh, my God, they weren't being, they weren't me- being meaning to be taken literally. So that, because that came up quite a lot, that was something that my partner and I sort of noticed and would talk about. And it was that that triggered any occasional conversation of, well, you know, do you think you might be autistic? And my usual reaction to that would be like, well probably not because I do actually care about other people so I just I would dismiss that out of hand but as time marched on I was actually struggling to care or to behave in a way that actually reflected how much I cared about other people and how much empathy I had for other people and that was kind of in the second half of my 30s I was overwhelmed with exhaustion um, in ways that didn't make sense because my life isn't actually that complicated and I don't have children and I have a very supportive partner and I have a job that I'm quite good at some of the things in that job, you know, enough to be surviving professionally and doing okay. But I, I, I knew that I was a bit more exhausted and a bit more burned out than would kind of be normal for someone in my position or you know with my my kind of context and I knew that it was leading me to disconnect from other people and to be quite kind of mean sometimes and I would snap at people everything made me feel mean and that felt awful because I didn't want to be mean to people I genuinely do actually have empathy and I care eventually felt like I was two people I felt like there was a little kernel of a person in there that was fading away really fast and this really sort of mean hard joyless soulless person was representing me externally and that's where I got stuck and that's where I I was just left floating in limbo for quite a while So the big discovery, the big moment came not at the point that I was actually asking, but could I be autistic? Maybe I'm autistic, but much more unbidden and out of the blue than that. And I was ill. I'd had COVID. This is November last year, so November 21. Um, I'd had a really rough year, mental health wise, burnout wise with all of this shame and all of this confusion about why I was, was quite controlling and quite mean towards other people and I felt really awful um, and I, I had what, what I can only call self-loathing by that point and, and a lot of shame and it was very dark, I was in a very dark place and I couldn't see the light and I couldn't see a way out. But I got COVID and I was bed bound and I thought, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to actually gen up a little bit on autism because children in my family um, had started receiving autism diagnoses and I was getting the, the gist that autism wasn't what I thought it was and I still hadn't linked it to me at all. But I thought, it's time actually, just as their adult relative, it's time that I got myself a bit more informed about autism. And I just happened to open up a YouTube video pretty much at random. I was just, you know, I didn't know any of the autism channels or advocates um, and I hadn't been following any social media at all um, on this theme. And so I just started watching a video that was two adults, uh, talking to each other and, uh, and talking about each other's experiences and they were talking about masking which I'd never heard of before. They were talking about how whether you know or not that you're autistic we we're sort of forced as autistics to to put on this persona or put on this external presentation in an effort to pass as socially acceptable and normal enough to be included and not to trigger reactions of you're too weird you're too this you're too that and the light bulb moment came when the woman was describing the fact that actually girls often start the masking process very young and unawares so they don't know that they're autistic and they don't know that they're learning how to mask through this constant continual feedback and conditioning from their peers and adults around them and i just knew in a second in an instant ah i'm a masked autistic person and i started learning to mask very young and I don't, I didn't even watch the whole video. It's still, when I go back to YouTube now and, and look up which video that was, it's still halfway through because I didn't even watch the whole thing because I immediately started looking up autism checklists, um, autism in women checklists and reading uh, about autism in girls and women. And within, I mean, this was fast because I can I can upload into my brain a lot of information very fast And yeah, within an hour, I I knew for a fact. I knew for a fact that I'm autistic. And I've covered this off in a different episode. Then what happened next? So that's how I found out. And that was less than a year ago. And it was pure chance. And I'm very, very taken by how common an experience this is. And how many of us are searching know that there is some kind of riddle that we're trying to answer based on a lifetime of being confused and disconnected and knowing that there's a difference from a shared experience that other people are having. But we don't get the opportunity to understand this um, because the stereotypes of autism aren't... Um, effectively countered in the mainstream there's no promotion of knowledge and information about autism in a way that's in any way useful for many of us there's no knowledge even in places that you might expect it to be like the gp when i went to see them about my hair pulling they clearly had no concept that this was something that autistic people or neurodivergent people do and they simply said to me, "Then, well, you probably need therapy. This is this must be a psychological issue. Yes, you must you must have anxiety, a condition called anxiety. Um, we don't have any therapy to refer you to. So, if you can go private, then then do. And good luck to you. And off you go. Um, so, yeah, GPs. None of the adults I encountered in the education system growing up, obviously this was in the eighties and nineties, but university also." You know, there was no sort of touch point or 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 pick up or any anything promoted that be, that would kind of put together the type of challenges I was having and autism. Same in adulthood. Never encountered autism in the workplace. Never even encountered autism whilst working for a mental health charity for twelve years and overhauling mental health policy as my day job. Never encountered anything relevant. Um, to autism for myself so that's a problem that is a huge problem and this is why now I'm very um, keen to connect into the advocacy community uh, it's what's driven me to do this podcast and to start opening up and sharing I want to be in all of the spaces um, I want this to be my day job Um which I'm actually a little bit overwhelmed by. So I'm just kind of taking it step by step and a and podcast felt like a, a manageable step that I'm really excited to be doing. So we ultimately, we have to find ways to get this information out to all the people who are autistic, who also probably just think it's something completely different than it is, um, all the different versions of it, um, all the intersectionalities of it as well, because... Yes, girls um, have to mask from a, from a young age and so to non-binary people. Um, and then where characteristics meet, you know, whether where there is other disability or um, other forms of disadvantage or oppression. Um, and I'm very conscious of the fact that I am a white um, middle class um, autistic person who will be having completely different types of privilege and experience to um say someone who is a black autistic person or someone who has not had access to um education, higher education, or you know, lots of other um types of intersectionality. So that's how much information is missing and how many spaces this information is missing from. So this is my motivation. So yeah, that's the story of my realisation and, and why it took so long. And I yeah, I hope that was interesting to hear about and uh See you next time. Okay, bye.